Well, I was a little late to this episode. Just for the record, I pressed record, so we're cool. Thanks for reminding me, uh, fellas. But I was a little late to this episode. You know, you ever get, you ever like, what I'm going to do is I'm going to redo my standard stump speech, my PowerPointing. I got some new ideas. I've written it out in my notebook, been thinking about it as I drive. And you're like, I'm just five slides away from getting a first pass at this, right? And so like, just like a spice miner, I worked all the way up to 4 p.m. Central Time. I was all done. I went up to the uh, file, compressed pictures. Everything was good. And then I was like, oh, now I'm late. And uh, consequently, I have not done my extensive preparation as well. But I mentioned that one as an excuse. But this weekend, I came across a delightful history of PowerPoint uh, that I'll put a link to. But I think the the David Berto. I I don't know with David who. From Talking Heads. He actually gave a a talk a while back about PowerPoint. Oh, no. But I'll have to look that up. It's it's from. Yeah. uh, Yeah. David. C. Brock. Good last name. David C. Brock. Yeah. Uh, it even has a reference to the, uh, the uh, what, what was it? Yellow cake uranium thing uh, in there. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's, a good, it's a good overview. And as always, as all great stories, uh, it looks like the invention of PowerPoint was, a, was a, uh, maybe not an accidental, but was not the original thing. Just like, just like all of the great uh, moneymakers of our days. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, and um, you know Slack were invented by people who are trying to do something else. So so was PowerPoint. And uh, I think I think the other thing of note, if you read through it, and I remember this from the Wikipedia pages, is as I recall, Microsoft acquired it for like fifteen million dollars, which uh, good acquisition for, for them. That that I mean, that was that was maybe in nineteen eighty eight. So maybe that was actually like two billion dollars in 2017 money, but uh, you know, actually, still, still very small amount of cash to pick it up for. Man, and if you, worked out well for if you look yeah. at the picture of the nerds who were involved in this, it's given me like I remember the 80s. Now, there's one person in particular who's got like who's got like an Amish style beard, and that oh, is that like guy. that is like a quarter of my friend's dads that I knew who were involved in some sort of engineering thing in the 80s. Right. And you're just like, you're never really sure what they did, but it must have been something that paid a lot because they were living down by the river, not in a trailer park, but in a big old house. It was $14 million in cash that they bought uh, Forethought for. But, you know, like um, a lot of the the software developers, they actually didn't make a lot of money in the games. I mean, it wasn't like the, the heyday of, of the 90s. Because I remember um, I had a, a cousin who's a few years older than me who he was making like 18000 a year in like 1990. And he was like, yeah, this software thing's not particularly <laughs> paying very well. Hmm. You know, maybe I'll go back to my, my true love of you know accounting or something. But uh, Ooh, accounting. Yeah. <laughs> um, things picked up, as we can see. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so that's that's a good overview. And, um, you know, I, th- I think the other thing, the other thing that, that I, I learned here uh, is you got a new you got a new uh, template for your slides that the c- corporates come out with. And it looks really good. You know what it's got? You know what I really like in a background color that I see a lot nowadays? It's not black, but it's kind of like that that you might call it like navy dress at midnight. Right. Like it's this really dark this really dark navy bluish color. 
And I'm digging that, right? And then they've also figured out all the colors to have. But of course, they made it in Google Slides, which effectively means it's worth nothing to me. So I had to go and make my own template out of this, and I had to use the little eyedropper to cover color, uh, you know, transfer the color palette. And so, okay, here's my first question. Now, wait, 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 wait. You didn't use the export to PowerPoint? I did, but however, however, whoever chose to make the template or yeah. the way Google exports it, here's the problem. And this is, this is, I mean, you know, my excuse is my life is basically PowerPoint. So, you know, I've got to, I've got to manage my tools, just like all those developers who make, who are mm-hmm. making it harder mm-hmm. for us to make money, want to build their own platforms instead of just paying us. I like to build <laughs> my own tools as well, but. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but your tools are PowerPoint. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry, my daughter needs some sparkling water. This is my other reason for being late. Uh, anyways, for some reason, if you go into the master slides, we're getting deep into it here. You go to the master slides mm-hmm. of the template mm-hmm. I downloaded. They're not created correctly because there'll be default templates of slides they have in the main presentation. But if you delete those slides, it deletes the masters. Now, in Windows, there's something about pinning a template. And also, it's about the order that you create the uh, dependency chain in your master slides. And it's just done incorrectly in slides or something. So you can't go and delete those excess example slides in your deck. So uh, that's where I was. Yeah. I had to go like, recreate okay, the this, templates. I feel like this is this really is takes us to a good place. Like, you know, just like in software development where, like, you really don't want any generated code. Like, you want to at least manage that. Like, you got to go just manually create your the template. You take the colors and the hex values they give you. And you build. You have to rebuild the master up. Mm. As soon as you import anything from else, you just never get it out, right? It's like it's like this bad generated code that's off in the side that no one understands. Like you just got to take it head on. So don't. don't <laughs> I find it's much easier if you do it early on. You're like, I'm going to set aside some time and build this template right up from the beginning. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And versus this, like you know, start deleting uh, slide masters because there's always these things that just show up. These weird artifacts, and you'll never know where they come from. This is what I have learned over the years. Exactly what you said is just like, just make the template early on. Just do it. It'll, it'll pay just off in spades. It. You got to, you got to right. pump that out. Now, here's my concern. I have the, uh, the formal Navy dress blue at midnight thing. And I, and I, I almost, I stopped myself, but I, I had the thought that I need to buy a projector to <laughs> test out if it works well, rather than just showing wow. up. Because you know how it is with the, the dark slides. Sometimes it works and doesn't. And I've never really, in the same way that I don't understand all the words in audio engineering, like like a, a, a duck and a rabbit and um, a wave form or whatever, like there's some, <laughs> there's some sort of color theory that I don't understand of like, do I want do I want dark slides oh, in a light room yeah. or light slides in a light room or light slides in a dark room? Like, what do I want? I don't really know what it is. Like when I when I um, when I take a screenshot of that funny scene from Dune, what filter do I run on it so it shows up everywhere? Right? Like I, I just I don't know. Hey, you have your own crackers over there. <laughs> so, uh, wow, that, that, that's a lot to unpack. Um, First of all, is, is is the Dune scene the uh, the what's in the box oh, <laughs> digital yeah. transformation? Uh-huh. I love that slide. <laughs> yeah, you know, in making my new deck, I had two thoughts. <clears throat> There's a little bit of an exegesis podcast here. One is uh, sorry that I'm eating, but I'm uh, when we get to the recommendations, I'll explain why. Um, one is like I get bored of my own shit, as it were, right? Presenting the same mm-hmm. stuff, and I think I, th- I think we've even talked about this, at least Brandon and I. You know, I, I get concerned that I'm just repeating the same thing over and over again. 
But what I need to realize is that, you know, this is the first time people have seen things. They haven't actually watched. Yeah. Uh, if you go to kote.io slash speaker or speaking, they haven't watched all the recorded videos there, which really, a lot. that's a shame. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I, I, need, I need to figure out how to wangle that, that slide back in there because that's usually the, uh, the best joke. Um, no, I, I know we, we've talked about this before, but <laughs> are we are we limiting um, limiting our utility by reusing the same references from you know a, a time and and uh, in the eighties and, and early nineties that only we appreciate mm, you know, yeah. Simpsons jokes, Dune jokes, um, you know, I, or, well, or, or or it's today just wrong. Okay, well let, let's let's uh, while we're in the uh, the meta meta area here. Um, I, I I coincidentally ran into a, a, a bundle of our old uh, BMC friends. Most of them, mm. well, all of them that I ran into now at Zenos. You know, you got your uh, oh, yeah, yeah. you got your uh, JP, your Chip, mm-hmm. your uh, yep. Glenn, and your Eric hanging out there. I was just meeting one of them, but then the other ones coincidentally showed up. It goes to show you that developers never change, right? They go to like the three lunch places over and over again. Oh yeah, yeah. very consistent, but. I, someone, someone was asking another one. I, I don't want to. I want to anonymize it. You know, if they'd been watching Rick and Morty yet, and and they were like, no. So, I, you know, I've had this concern that I need to update my humor, but I'm not quite sure. Is is Rick and Morty appropriate, or is that the kind of yes. thing that's going to get some code of <laughs> code of conduct thing against me if I make uh, references ooh. to that? Mm. Um, you know, Kote, you, you can probably get away with Rick and Morty mm. uh, because okay. you know, it, they. they uh, when it's broadcast, it's bleeped. Mm, okay. <laughs> so what you're saying maybe, is, it, is it, it, that's okay. it meets the um, – it's not Myers-Briggs who, or, or, or Judge Bork. Who's the one uh, – I'll, I'll know it when I'll see it. Any, oh, anyways, uh, it, it yeah. meets the, uh, the comic book convention criteria of Adult Swim at night. So I'll probably be fine. Is that what you're saying? Well, and, and 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 it's fairly new and and topicalish. Mm. Um, people uh, can potentially relate. Um, you know, uh, I, I I did have the luxury of seeing someone give a talk in Tokyo uh, that was very heavy on uh, South Park references. <laughs> that went over like a lead balloon. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, not a single one of them got that. So. Uh, you do have to make sure that your audience is going to catch those if if you are using them. Um, Rick and Morty, uh, you know, I, I love it, um, but uh, there may be yeah, hmm, that, that's a hard one because uh, because you know there's a lot of deep cuts you can go in there, but you know I'm a pickle Rick. Uh, yeah, I just <laughs> I just I just got that T-shirt in the mail today. I know, I know, I, I saw that. Oh so. yeah, yeah. Anyways, all right. Well, you know, uh, if the listeners can write in. I just need to know if it's appropriate to uh, make references to that. And then I, then I can go watch all three seasons again and just kind of build up an ouvoir. Is, is, is that what they say? Uh, sure. You know, I'll, uh, I'll see what I can do. That sounds good. Well, uh, uh, so speaking of, of people getting upset at things that other people cherish, you know, when we were, uh, when we were, when we were talking earlier – Brandon figured out that there's there's a whole slew of consumer news that I think, you know, we normally do. We, do you say eschew? We normally don't talk about the consumer stuff because that's saturated. But I think I think this is highly representative of what you also see in in our space, and also it's something to talk about. So, so first up, I didn't notice this. Speaking of this is this is com- ironic complaining here because I think the 280 thing in Twitter is great. You know what the fuck uh, do I care? Right? Like, 
if if blogs and RSS are dead, then like give me some characters, right? Where where wow. I can do something. Like I I put a I put a post in Medium recently, and there's this clapping thing you get. I I feel very not cool about that. I'm not I'm not into it. But no, no, not into clapping. Yeah, yeah. But, so so so. But I noticed, I noticed you only get that. I don't think the apps have been updated. So you only get that if you go to the website. Like when I use TweetBot, it, it doesn't work. Uh, and even the, the native updated one last work. night. Cool. So this morning I installed the new TweetBot and I'm doing 280 characters. Yeah. See, and, and that's, that's even though most people don't want the 280. Even the person who wants the 280 is complaining because, you know, the, it's the old Louis C.K. thing. Because I'm hurtling through the sky at, you know, 20,000 feet. And my, my yeah. seat's uncomfortable. That's, no, product managers I know, can't I, win. I, I'm, with, I'm with Stephen King. <laughs> what, what, was, what was his take? 280 characters. Fuck that. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> I'll, 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 link, I'll find that one for you. But, uh, yeah, I mean, yo, Brandon, tell me if I'm wrong. Twitter missed a golden opportunity here to earn a little bit of cash. Make it so you have to pay for 280 characters. Ooh. <laughs> Go the old the the freemium upgrade up to, yeah. to the uh, no, up to two hundred eighty. You can't you can't control yourself. You know, pay five bucks a month for unlimited two hundred eighty characters, or you know, you pay uh, ten cents a tweet. I don't know, you know. But you know, changing things just to change them and giving it to everybody. Now now my my the the tweets are all getting longer. There's right. more stuff you have to get through. I'm starting to ignore more. I'm starting to feel like it's Facebook. Or you know Tumblr, which you know lasted about you know three months of me paying attention, and yeah, it's. But it's, let's like really set the scene, right? So you're in, you're in with all the Twitter executives, right? Everyone's like looking at the financials, are like we're not making enough money. Everyone's mm-hmm. mad at us, <laughs> so people are like, okay. So somebody came in and is like, well, like who's got ideas, right? So someone's like, well, listen, we could double the number of you know Twitter characters from one forty to two eighty. And somebody's like, well, okay, why don't we run some tests and see what happens? So they, they go out and they do it. They come back. They say, well, listen, turns out most people actually don't use the extra characters, but occasionally the people that do write a bit a little longer. And in the messages, they don't have to like do this weird grammatical, you know, uh, bad grammar right. spelling kind of thing. And, and, and when they need to say something, and, and we found that like for the most part, it just makes the tweets a little bit clearer. Um, but for the most part, it won't significantly increase um, like how long the tweets are, just make them more readable. So, and you're like, okay, so you're seeing there and you, and you got it, you come back and it's like, okay. I mean, I could see if someone's like, well, that, that seems like it could make the service more engaging and we've tested it. So that would be okay. And then somebody, and then the last slide, he's like, and we could charge $5 for it. Right. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so I imagine in this meeting, like the two doubling it to 280 seems very safe. They've done the testing, right? Like it seems like it's fine. Nothing bad happened. Now in the meeting, right? I bet when they said like oh, whatever you propose, there five dollars a month, sixty dollars a year. I bet you, if Twitter had come out and said, "Hey, it's sixty dollars a year to double your tweet length," the amount of snarky tweets. I mean, I don't know. It would have just probably been hundreds, maybe not hundreds, because I don't have enough users for that. But tens of millions of tweets talking about how stupid it is. At least this would have been in the room. People would have said like. People are going to be really pissed off. It's you know they're going to say it's stupid to pay for. We're not going to do it, or you know people are going to be really mad at us. So that seems like a really really bold, like very um, scary decision for an executive. So that's to me probably how like that conversation played out. But 
they, 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 I still maintain they whisked out by, by not taking any sort of opportunity to make a little more money. No, I think, well, this is like the core of the, uh, you know, I think this gets into the, probably the hardest part of any, like managing any product strategy or anybody running any businesses like, okay, this does seem like an important part. Like, yeah, okay. Like maybe, you know, making the tweets a little bit easier to write. Maybe there's a way to make money here. But like, if you just step back, you're like, does going from 140 to 280 like significantly change this company in any meaningful way? Right. So no. prob- probably not. Right. So even if they had charged for it, you know, I would doubt the revenue would be significant. Maybe, I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe it would be, uh, but that's like, but I find this very often, no matter like whether I'm talking to my friend's company, or my own experience is like so oftentimes like an executive group or team, like they can't like confront that. You know what I mean? Like they convince themselves that 280 and like all the work and like kind of, it kind of becomes like busy work for a company. It's like, think about how much work it takes to roll out 280 characters. It's not that easy, right? Cause they have to test it. They have to like upgrade the infrastructure, I'm sure. And there's like a lot of work went on, but like you can kind of guess that like in the end, this isn't going to make that big a deal, but like everyone will feel really good about it. So um, I think it's very hard for any group to like really challenge themselves and be like, okay, you know, this isn't, we, we may do this, right? It's kind of like tech debt, right? It's like, okay, we may do this. We may need to get it done, but let's not pretend that that's going to like really change our fortune. So, I mean, this is, and this is why I think running these companies is so hard, right? So I, I have sympathy for them, right? I'm sort of like, you know, it's fine when everyone's complaining about it, but it's probably not going to help them. But if they had great, better ideas, they would have implemented them a long time ago. <laughs> now, now, just 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 purely looking at this, I I finally uh, I've been avoiding TweetDeck recently because I've been trying to get work done. So I only I only log into the notification section of my Twitter account, right? Um, and uh, that's what I usually look at. But you know, I'm looking at the uh, some some politics list I have, and a couple other lists. I mean, I guess I could see why people would be upset. But it's not really that big of a deal. Like, I mean, it's, it's sort of like mentally jarring, right? To like, there's this mental window in my mind of how long the tech should be uh, looking at it. But it it seems okay. I don't know. Looks good. <laughs> but I do think this comes back to like, how do you, uh, like, how, how well or how strong convictions do you have? Because, you know, like in the world we're in, um, enterprise software, right? Like oftentimes you'll be talking about your product and there'll be some feature or something that everybody knows like doesn't work, isn't right. Uh, probably be, should get rid of it. Right. And then, so like, and, you, and you're saying, okay, we, we're going to get rid of it. But then somebody somewhere will like drag up some, some customer or like a story of someone needing this. Right. And it's yeah. just like, and they'll say, well, you know, this, and I think most enterprise software vendors are very conservative. They're just like, well, we got to leave it in there. Yeah, I know. I know you should never be able to enter the date backwards, but somebody did it one time and <laughs> now like, yeah, we have this customer and they got to have date backwards notation. And, and, but you know, and like the architect or someone said, but well, this is taking us a lot of time. Like, I just can't do it, man. I can't, there's this, did you not hear the story? Did you not hear the boogeyman story? Do I have to tell you the boogeyman story again? So, yes. so then that, you know, over time software, like it's all crusty. And then of course, like, then someone's like, I'm writing my own monitoring system. No monitoring system suck. <laughs> right. And it's like, so, I mean, it's, it's just funny. So I think most people, the passive, you know, the, I'd say the uh, the passive satisfied customers like ah two eighty fine I don't really care and so like I I wonder if like Jack Dorsey and team are just like hey we just have to let this go right we just have to just 
Stay, right. stay with our convictions. It's going to be fine. 280 is going to be fine. And then maybe like we got even a better idea, you know, coming out uh, later this year. But you could see, uh-huh. right, like when you get <laughs> but you can see where like I, and I do believe there's this window with companies like very early on, you can change the product. You have a lot of flexibility. But once a product sort of gets hardened, right, any type of change, either they're, you're criticized for not changing or the changes you make. Uh, upset a very vocal minority. So it really, you know, so status quo, this is why status quo becomes very much entrenched. And I, you know, I think that applies to Twitter, um, enterprise software in general, and, and really just probably everything you look in day to day. I'm not going to disagree. I'm still going to complain. <laughs> sure. No, I, I agree. I, uh, I, I totally get it. I like to complain about it. I mean, it's just like how, it, I think it also too, like if you just happen to be like the power user, like tweet deck doesn't work for you or something like that, then yeah, you have lots of reason to complain. Yeah. Yeah. I, I Like I said, it looks fine to me so far. I like I like the people who have been creating delightful ASCII and emoji art that, that uh, oh, I'm strolling to there. That's uh that's a good use of time. But, you know, uh, it's sort of like, remember when they, they introduced, uh, like, unlimited pictures that wouldn't count against your count? And I still don't understand the link thing they have going on. You put a link in there, and that counts against your characters. I mean, I guess you wouldn't right. want people to load up, like, 50 links or something like that. But I, I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? You know, you know that the, works. the thing that I think is, is odd is, you know, because I am uh, uh, aforementioned TweetDeck user, is, you know, TweetDeck just shows you everything in order. And then you log into the regular Twitter and they do that thing Facebook did, does where it's sort of like, here's here's the Russian news you want to be seeing, basically. <laughs> and, and they surface that for you. And, at the you know, uh, recently I've been looking at it and it's actually pretty useful because it does uh, surface stuff that I'm interested in. But it, it does kind of weird me out. Like I'll look at something and be all excited. I don't know excited why and it'll be like this is from 12 hours ago and then it's almost like uh, a bit of a letdown and i'm looking at an old thing mm-hmm. who knows but I, you know kind of keep you know in the same line of like you know introducing fe- features like i think the opposite of problem is even worse which is the one that snapchat seems to be in right that you know they just announced their earnings i guess they're you know not meeting expectations so now their uh, stock price is below their ipo so you know obviously people are very upset so in their case, they've kind of come out and the CEOs kind of with a design background has come out and said that, well, you know, the, the app is just too complicated to like, you know, kind of continue to get adopted. And essentially they kind of said they want to like redesign it. Right. So I don't I don't think any of us are avid Snapchat users. So this is, you know, the flip side of this problem is like, well, we don't care if you redesign Snapchat because either we never used it or we used it and didn't care about it. And it's so so it's even, you know, if you will, the fact that like so many people tweet about the change in Twitter, they don't like it. You're like, well, at least people care. Whereas Snapchat is like, ah, I don't even get it. I don't even know how to, I don't even know how to do a snap in Snapchat to complain about what I don't like. So it's just like, just don't open that app. So I mean, have these platforms, you know, plateaued in in adoption. And so it's like, there's not a lot of harm and, and, you know, messing with the people you already have because, you know, you've stalled out and you need to pick up more users one way or another. Yeah, well, I think this is, you know, again, back to our, you know, comparing our worlds of consumer and enterprise, right? It's like, this is what nobody, no group of people, I've never been in, uh, I've never really worked for private equity. One day I'll, I'll make that rotation in there, but because I think it happens there. Everywhere else, it's like, no, like our product is going to continue to grow at extraordinary growth rates forever, right? No one's ever like, yeah, like, so I think Twitter, like the answer to the Twitter question is like, well, 
given the problem it's trying to solve and what it does, it's probably reached saturation, right? There's a small, as compared to Facebook, there's a small minority of people that are very passionate about it, but breaking through that probably is not possible, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it would just radi- it'd have to be like a radically new product. And, well, but, go yeah, ahead. it's kind of incented really not to go after too many of the uh, the fake accounts because that's going to you know hurt their adoption numbers. You know, somebody is incented to have that metric of, you know, oh, you know, 50 million new uh, accounts a month and then someone else is like, yeah, but 49.5 million of those are fake. You know, mm. and like you shut up. <laughs> well, let, let me let me let me just let me just break in here while we while we've got the three of us here. Let's let's talk a little monetization strategy. Right. And yes. related related to Snapchat. Now, I have to say when my daughter's here, Hello. so she's going to talk a little bit uh, when when uh, speaking of monetization, when uh, when I've tried to use Snapchat, I just I just feel like that old guy with the jitterbit phone because I don't know how to like move around. So hopefully all they're going to do is add some little like X signs so you can just get out of things and move around. That, that, would, that would help me out a great deal. Hello? But I mean, but at this point, are are you even in their target audience? Are you well, now, now, to say, now? This well, this is my yeah. monetization question. I've uh, been thinking. I've been thinking. Is there some sort of video thing that we should do? Right? Because I understand video is a big deal, and I I am totally, I'm totally, oh my, I'm totally occupied with my my, my four year old here. But I'm totally. Uh, blindsided by video because I do not like watching video. I like watching maybe a presentation, but I'll watch it just because of the content and the slides in it. So I like watching a webinar, so to speak. But like a video, like I don't even know. I mean, what what would we do? Like, 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 and and I started thinking about this morning because you know NPR has one of those. Uh, it's very heavy news week, by the way, in the infrastructure software news. Uh, NPR has one of those like daily things called like you know up first or something, right? And uh, and then you got you got the one from the New York Times, and and those are entertaining. And as always, I'm like I'm listening to that stuff, and then I'm listening to like another episode of the Weeds and everything, and I'm guilty, and I'm like I should be studying the enterprise software world because that's how I make my money. But like there's nothing to listen to, so it makes me think. Well, what would it look like if you had a daily enterprise software news thing? And and I guess you could have a video of that. I don't know. That's why I started thinking well, about videos. Well, I think the video, um, the way I've seen it used best for kind of the kind of the more generalized talking head kind of thing is um, doing very small snippets of video. Like so, if you were to video, for example, like you know, actually videotape the whole thing, but then cut it down to like a minute mm. or two of like some of the best segments. And then the way that's kind of interesting is that people that are listening to you or maybe aren't, they can kind of like you know, get a sense of like who you are and kind of like how you talk. Right. And then that, and that's sort of advertising, then go listen to the longer form podcast. Right. So I think, you know, I would in like um, enterprise or just your day-to-day life, you know, oftentimes like you've never met people in person. Right. And then you meet them in person just for a short period. So like, you know, maybe you have like the all hands, everyone comes in, meets everyone, the kickoff kind of thing, like just having met somebody and, you know, having a visual idea of like who they really are and how they talk and their mannerisms can often like really improve mm. your virtual communications going forward. So I think it's the same idea. It's just getting a sense of what somebody looks like, their, a few of their mannerisms, a little bit of advertising. So you just the one minute chunks, if you will, are just sort of like reinforcing you and building the community. I do agree to like if it's just like talking head kind of stuff that, um, you know, using it for like a long period of time 
probably isn't great unless you have the only other thing I've seen at work is there are, you know, it's, I think probably popularized by on ESPN, there's a show part of the interruption PTI, but you see the idea of the rundown and then mm-hmm. people kind of like debate or discuss a topic. And you've seen this used a lot now in a variety of mm. other formats that that's also good because somebody sort of sees, they know each one of the things is only gonna be two minutes and they like kind of watching the active debate and they can also see kind of like, in the rundown, like, I'm not going to pay attention to this, but this other thing in two minutes, I'm really interested. So, like, you know, imagine our rundown. It'd be, like, Kubernetes, 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 Costco or something. But, like, you know, <laughs> if you can imagine someone looking at that, they could kind of be like, all right, yeah, yeah. I'm going to skip over the Kubernetes talk because I've heard it. I'm going to listen to the well, Costco but, talk. But, you know, you know, may, maybe I need to call up our, our much-beloved podcaster, Ezra Klein at the Vox Empire and talk to him or something. Or actually not, because I, I like the job I have, so I'm just idly speculating here in case <laughs> anyone's listening. Uh, but, you know, I, like, like and, and I don't know. We should see if people react to this. Let's say you had, like, an eight-minute video, even six-minute, right? right? And, and, like, you could be, like, uh, uh, new, new user survey from OpenStack came out. Here's some charts. And then, like, cut away to, like, a talking head thing here and there, right? Like, you're, like... Users say they run a lot of Kubernetes and you like switch to Brandon and it's like, Brandon's like, does anyone actually use this thing anymore? I thought it was dead. And then Kote is like, hey, here's a gentler take. And then, and then maybe you switch to like a data dog, like screen, you know, thing of like 30 to 45 seconds where it's like, we monitor all your shit with dashboards, get a t-shirt. I wore that t-shirt recently. It's very nice. You should go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash wrong url no you go to datadog.com slash software defined talk and you can get this t-shirt for free anyways a little free advertising there and then you cut away from that ad right and then you're back to like hey this week Morantis said some crazy stuff right like and mm-hmm. then it could be like your yeah, six but- minute thing and then to your point maybe the cta you're in the snapchat and maybe you can give a url and the cta is you go listen to the longer podcast or make a dashboard i don't know I don't know. I mean, I mean, is, is, is that what people normally do with video? I don't. I don't know what people do with video. Well, I mean, aren't the new set guys headed down this path with some of their? They've mm. got a bunch of you know short videos that they you know you see, you go to a conference and, and you know Alex is there and he's you know he bundles up you know five or six interviews and yeah then all yeah you know it's, it's it's sort of like the public broadcasting model uh, where where it's patronage right? It's like you know brought to you by the Carnegie Foundation or something like that maybe. Because that's generally the way that they'll do things is like Capital One just gives them a bundle of cash and then they do stuff and they get sponsored by one person. But I don't know. Yeah. It, it would, well, it, it'd be interesting to I, know like if we had software defined Snap, like is, is that, is that a thing? The world's favorite. Well, I do think, you know, the best webinars today are uh, are really done by YouTubers because I've been my son watches a lot of YouTube now and you know, these guys get billions of views, right? You know, Stampy Long Nose, you know, I just feel like his his sound of him doing Minecraft videos is just embedded in my head forever. But if you look at how they do them, right, a lot of times, you know, they have the act of, of playing the game, but they'll often have their face, like in the top right-hand corner, oh, yeah. right? And then they'll be kind of doing, you know, narrating it or sometimes talking to their fellow players. And what's interesting about it is, is it is like at least for young children. And I guess I've, I've watched enough with my, my son. Um, it's like, it is more engaging, right? Like the fact that you're kind of seeing the person talk, mm-hmm. especially when like, like when something interesting happens in the game and then you see their facial reaction, uh, it is more engaging than just like hearing them talk about playing the game. So, you know, really 
and you know, it's off. What's funny, I think about it, is like most webinars today, like, you know, you don't, it's complicated to do that. Right. Maybe it's not complicated. I just don't see it done. It's most times just yeah. narrating and just like slides changing. But when you watch these YouTube videos, right, it, it does remind me more of like how professional televisions do it, like ESPN or any, any like local news, how they're doing highlights. They're always cutting between like a person and then something's happening and then back to a person. And then that kind of that notion of like, things changing. So like, imagine that Cote, if you had that, like you did have stuff popping up with like Kubernetes and then maybe data, data dog or whatever else, like it probably would be engaging. It just takes a lot more work. And obviously a video game <laughs> yeah. by definition, say, yeah, the, the yeah but a video game by definition is just, work. you know, what we need to do is we all need to, we need to create a Minecraft version of software defined talk where we're actually in a, a, a specially designed world where we're just walking around oh, talking. Yeah. That would be, that would be uh, truly the, the snake it's, eating its tail kind of thing it's, going there. It's nothing but, but white boxes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just white boxes. And yeah, that'd be perfect. People yeah. love that. Well, you know, I used to do a lot of video in, in the enterprise software space and it was, I, it's terrible work, like doing all the post-production. It was fun, like interviewing people and having the final product. And as I think I've said before, people will pay you a lot of money to see their face on the TV as it were. Yeah. Uh, but well, yeah, you know, we need to bring back the, uh, the, the, the video recordings that we did. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, that that's to close out the topic. That's kind of the point is like, you know, we used to do those video recordings. And it's like there was no value add for them, except seeing our faces, which I guess for some people is a lot of value. Are lovely. But, mm, yes. But you know, I, I guess I guess the question I would have is like, so, uh, so if we have a goal of reaching more listeners, right, because what else are we going to do or reaching more listeners or deepening the relationship with existing uh, listeners? Do do enough listeners actually consume a stream of video things such that they would pick up our three minute video thing and that would lead to achieving the goals, right? And I don't know, who knows? Because I think, I guess that is the one thing I see videos used for is like here's a uh, here's a little sample from this longer form thing. I'll have to go watch some of those Vox explainer videos, see what they yeah. do. But who knows? Because I mean, it, it seems like if you gave people the chance to do like a like a little thirty minute demo visual thing, then that would be pretty valuable, right? Yeah, uh, the, uh, the the CTO advisor guy is doing that, where mm -hmm. he does like a daily one minute, two minute hot take kind of thing with the occasional longer form ones, and mm -hmm. you know he's he's doing that lone wolf analyst thing too. Right? Lone wolf analyst. Uh, well, before we run out of time. There's no speaking of lone wolves, but I think I think there's. Uh, we'll see if we get to them. But there's there's three things to go over. One of them, uh, well, I get potentially four. You know, speaking of OpenStack, there was the open, there's the OpenStack summit. Are you there uh, on the conference room floor in Sydney, Matt Ray? <laughs> <laughs> so, no, um, just like I missed the Austin one while I was still in Austin. Mm. Uh, I missed the uh, the Sydney one while I was in Sydney. I, I actually my excuse was. Uh, I went to uh, New Zealand, uh, to Agile New Zealand, gave a talk there, and uh, went, you know, spent some time with some customers and partners and stuff. So I was in New Zealand while everyone was in Sydney, uh, but uh, it, you know, it looked like uh, a lot of uh, a lot of the old crew were were kicking around and and uh, you know doing tourist things and you know going to Taronga Zoo and going to the opera house and you know all that fun stuff riding the ferry and uh yeah working yeah. on integrating open source projects is, is what I've, I've been led to believe <laughs> yeah you know i i peeked into a little bit of the news and it's you know, at this point it's it's still very you know still um it's kind of gone into the the you know the telco and red hat you know managed 
you know, end of the, the spectrum of, you know, enterprise. Like it's like, it's down over there. And, and, you know, there's not a lot of new, new action happening. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, continuing engineering and, and, you know, they're making releases and stuff and there's still the crazy new projects popping up. Um, I, I think I pointed out one in, uh, in our Slack channel called uh, Evoke. <laughs> it is <laughs> my ticketing system. And I was like, why does OpenStack need a ticketing system? Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I watched some of the news, but I didn't really pay too close attention because it's, it's just kind of a commodity thing that's happening over there now. Now I, I need to go look at. I assume they uh, there's there's two main things that come out other than general announcements. You got the uh, you got the four five one. Uh, I forget what they call it. OpenStack Spotlight. It's basically their market update, and I think I think they had some good astounding numbers. Like the market goes to like uh, I don't know twenty billion or something. And uh, I should I should look that up before I just quote it. But you know it's it's fun to see an update about uh, the market sizing that they have. And then and then of course there's the user survey, and I think that came out, or at least there was some some survey stuff where I I, I think I need to go back and look at the question. But it was based you know speaking of this week in Kubernetes. It, it said that the, I think the number one, let's call it, I don't know what to call Kubernetes, container orchestration thing that people run on top of OpenStack is Kubernetes. And uh, then, you know, you had Mesos on there and a little Cloud Foundry. I think OpenShift was on there as well, which uh, which which is, is great, uh, you know, but it's interesting to see, like I was just with someone uh, last week who runs all their stuff on OpenStack. And, you know, it would be interesting to see the the profile of people who run OpenStack because when I and it's a totally uh, unreliable, definitely not scientific, but whatever weird selection bias. Whenever I run into someone who is running OpenStack, it's because they're like a highly technical organization, often a tech company themselves. Uh, but I, I don't run into that many people who aren't tech companies who who do it. And so it would make sense that you've got like the telcos, and I think I think there was uh, like. Uh, Mark over there was saying there's something like, was it 60 or something public cloud uh, providers that are running it, which also uh-huh. makes sense. So so there is all sorts of uh, momentum to it. You got that going on. And then uh, maybe, maybe we, we haven't decided this week exactly what we're going to look at for the, uh, the Software Defined Talk Members Only White Paper Exegesis podcast, which you can get if you go to patreon.com slash SDT. If you want to sign up for as little as a dollar, then next month you can sign up for what you should, which is five dollars a month, and get access to that podcast. <laughs> Just a little, little, little feedback while I'm here in the uh, the footnote of the parenthesis, uh, Brandon. Yeah. I heard, I think Scott Galloway interviewed on a Dallas public radio talk radio show because uh, he and and he's he talked. It, it was either him or someone who had read my favorite part of his book for that. His favorite instance of AI is the play next episode button in Netflix. <laughs> And I think yes. he, he clarified yes. that. And he said, you know, it'll play season eight, you know, episode eight from season three of this TV series because you might like it. Now, that makes sense. But I wish you would have spelled oh, okay. that out in the book because I'm pretty okay, sure so. it was just auto playing to the next episode. But the other thing I would say, I'll dig, dig up this interview, is he, he sounded like maybe when he stops drinking the water of like Manhattan, he calms down and he's just sounded like a normal person. <laughs> I'm not so sure. So what? what... What kind of broken AI thinks you want to watch movie or TV show episodes out of order? I hey, you know, I haven't even thought <laughs> that's so. even worse. Well, I feel like we have to go find. You have to send us the the link to the interview just to give him, uh, so we can all go listen, see if that was yeah, actually what yeah. he said. 
Anyways, so. anyways, uh, getting back from the bottom of the page and closing the parentheses, well, maybe we'll look at the <laughs> uh, the OpenStack user survey this week. Oh, uh, oh and, I need to and be maybe on another that. thing, but I think I think it, that would be interesting to look at. Uh, but then also, uh, you know, another thing I think that that comes out pretty nice is you can always rely on Mirantis to say something, and uh, oh, I I have not because of aforementioned PowerPointing, I have not been able to go do my usual due diligence, but. But what now? I think I think you've got some takes on this, Matt Ray. What from from the one article that we have read? <laughs> what would be your summary of the direction that our friends at Mirantis are going? What are they up to? Um. So so they here they 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 took a whole bunch of VC um to, to from Intel and, and others to to build OpenStack, and then they promptly um built their own distro, pissing off one of their investors, which was Red Hat. Um. And then, uh, you know, they um, pivoted, if you will, to, to do some of the Kubernetes stuff. And the latest is that, uh, you know, they, they, they still like a little bit of OpenStack, but they, they like Kubernetes more. But what they really like is continuous integration, uh, uh, continuous delivery. And so they're, they're behind, they have a, their main product is a thing called Drivetrain CI. And, uh, you know, as long as we're going with, with dated uh, references, I'm going to have to go with uh, the good luck storm in the castle. <laughs> because CICD um, is, uh, has an 800-pound gorilla that everyone uses that is um, fairly good. Uh, you know, it, it's good enough and has a massive open source community. And selling CICD is, uh, I'm, I'm going to put this out there. Um, hard. <laughs> what what, what and, makes and, it hard, Matt Ray? Just in, in all seriousness, uh, what uh, what's no, the deal? In, in all seriousness, um, there are very many superior open source or free SaaS offerings. So, uh, if if you, if you like Microsoft products, VSTS is um, pretty amazing. Um, they run an amazing amount of stuff on there. You can get some very uh, affordable to free counts with that um if you're doing open source work you can get by with a whole lot of you know travis ci and um uh all the, there's a whole bunch of other you know related projects that will watch your github commits and you know give you all sorts of notifications about the state of those prs and run automated tests mm. and you know they're free or you know they're extremely cheap and you know it's and then, of course, Jenkins is just, you know, gobbling it up because you can't, you know, swing a cat without hitting three or four Jenkinses. And, you know, no two of them look alike, but um, they're kind of ubiquitous. So if you think your one product is going to be CICD, uh, good luck with that. Um, but if you think your money is going to be made, like, gluing a bunch of stuff together, yeah, you can definitely make a business out of that. You know, that there's, you know. SIs and consulting shops and MSPs as you know, far as the eye can see, but why is somebody going to adopt, you know, no offense to, to Miranda's, but why is somebody going to adopt drivetrain over Jenkins or, you know, something, you know, that is uh, a little more polished. Um, uh, yeah. I, I, and, and this is because they're so heavy on the consulting side and needing to glue a bunch of stuff together, it's not a very partner-friendly thing, which means that your market gets kind of um, reduced in, in, in how many people you can actually get to. So, uh, yeah, being a, a consulting product, you know, a, a product that needs a lot of 
you know, services work around it. Uh, that's <laughs> VC doesn't like that. Um, yeah, yeah. But I, yeah, yeah, I, I think you know, at this point, you know, their VC is probably like, well, we're not getting our OpenStack money back. You know, as all, you, you giving an overview of the, uh, the difficulty of the CICD <laughs> space, it, it makes me think once again, will someone please think of the future acquiring company having to monetize this, right? Like how it's fine for you to burn through all this money, but if you're giving away all that value, what's, what's left for the rest of us? It's just, uh, just crazy. Like, like all the stuff you described, that sounds great. And like, is that really a sustainable, uh, I don't know, maybe there's so much waste in the enterprise uh, application infrastructure development, blah, blah, sort of like part of the Mecco diagram in the sky. But man, like, how, how can you charge so little for so much, Matt Ray? Is that like uh, Jevons paradox or something? Or a Swordly map? Uh, how do I figure <laughs> that out? Yeah, we're, we're gonna have to get Andrew on the show to, to tell us uh, how people are you know, going to make money with all these amazing free op- options available mm. to them. I mean, the real answer is is volume, yeah. and which is why volume. you know yep. Microsoft and Amazon are going to be the winners, um, and and you know and and Alibaba and Google and 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 others. But it's it's hard being a small you know software vendor, um, you know, who has to be a product company. You know, if if you you know if you can be a consulting services company, you know. Private equity will be happy with you. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. You know, I, I think I guess I guess what you say is you got uh, you got mean time to uh, to monetize. That's that's what you want to figure out. Yeah, very difficult. That was a failed reference to a st- silly joke. So, anyhow, uh, you know, I think I think my speaking of monetizing, I think my daughter might have run out of crackers. Uh, <laughs> which, which, anyways. So uh, there's some links that we didn't cover. Uh, one of them is uh, there. Were, maybe we'll talk about this at some other point. But there's a delightful quote. Probably, I think I think it was done from the uh, the show floor of the OpenStack Summit Sydney. You had uh, our buddy Alex. I don't know if he's our buddy. Everyone's our buddy. You had you had yeah. Alex over at uh, CoreOS. Friends of the show. That's right. Over at CoreOS, he had he had one of the the best quotes that I read this week, which is, and "Let me reduce it down. We're going to rewrite all of systems management." Just because, so uh, which you know makes sense. You got all this new stuff, and uh, I remember, I remember when I was an analyst, I would cover uh, gather around children. I would cover something called the Big Four, and you'd go talk to the Big Four, and they would have that one like sales engineer who could pull together a really good demo uh, that would like you know deploy a VM to Amazon and and update a ticket somewhere. But then you'd talk to the rest of them, and they would just be like, I I don't know what you're talking about. Why would I want to do that? And so I guess it makes sense. The old vendors, they just, uh, speaking of monetizing, they don't really, uh, they don't really catch up to things. And they, they don't want to, uh, it's like Brandon was talking about earlier, this problem of how do, you, how do you balance doing new innovative stuff when you've got to ax out the old things? Uh, and uh, so, sure, we'll rewrite it. Sounds good. Better go call up uh, old Bourbon Charity there and see what her cap table looks like. Get, look into that. But uh, on the other hand, uh, it's not like the last round of systems management vendors did stupendously last I checked. So tough racket. That's what you got there. Now, there's also, I think, uh, a topic maybe we should come back to. So it's not just this week in Kubernetes. But there was a, uh, there was a write-up of a write-up where I think our, our, my genuine buddy, uh, James Governor, wrote up, like, you should stop shitting all over people who are expanding the definition of serverless. And then a uh, follow-on post about that, which, which I think I had a good discussion about... What what exactly serverless is? 
<laughs> and and what you would do with it with the uh, with the with the old uh, BMC buddies today. I, I still am not quite sure what the uh, what the stupendous use case is that makes people like Simon Wardley think that it's going to be the uh, the future in, in such a, a weighty thing. But that would uh, be a fun discussion topic. Yeah, it, it's it's maybe 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 that we should save that for next episode. Since mm-hmm. we're, since we're there you go. That it's, it's, yeah. as if, it's as if you Ooh, swipe. It's, it's as if you swiped around in your Snapchat. And you saw a small video of us saying we're going to talk about that. And now you you click on this to go to your podcast.app and subscribe to Software Defined Talk or something like that. The future is going to be amazing. Make sure to subscribe and like, everyone. Please subscribe and like. That's a joke from another podcast world. Uh, But anyways, how about uh, before we go to recommendations, we've already talked about the Patreon thing. But really, uh, more or less every week, if you want to get access to a members-only thing where Brandon and I so far one day, Matt Ray will be on there. Sort of talk about the meta discussion, uh, kind of how you would think about these these uh, assets, these things that are created, like press releases, white papers, presentations, user surveys, all sorts of stuff like that. Last week we did the general area of corporate podcasts. It's kind of like a uh, ongoing education of of how you would do the kind of stuff that we do in in the uh, the software world, marketing, hustling, all of that kind of stuff. There's no no one's explained to me yet what a pull your request is, but I don't think that's going to be in there. But uh, if you go to patreon.com slash SDT, or just look in the show notes, you know, over at Software Defined Talk, you can sign up to get uh, to get that podcast. And then also, I noticed he registered this uh, Twitter handle. If so if you put underscores in this, you should go follow it. But thanks to uh, NoSSHJJ, you can automatically sign up to join our Slack channel if you go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash Slack, and you just put an email address or something in there. And uh, just like when uh, Valued Lister... Tasty Meets Paul, join my team here at Pivotal. You'll get to add another Slack channel, uh, which I'm sure will be very exciting. It'll just peg out your KPI gauge for the week about stupid shit you had to do because they can't put SSO in there. Uh, but yeah, you should join the Slack channel and uh, you can chat with us. Tell us what, how, how what you think about uh, video and other stupid ideas uh, that I've had this week. So Matt Ray, what are your recommendations for this week? Um, so... so uh... Got some. It's been kind of a crazy, crazy uh, couple of days here, and uh, <laughs> there's a song that's just stuck in my head. <laughs> so uh, I don't know if you're a Talking Heads fan, but there's a song called uh, "This Must Be the Place," um, naive melody, and uh, I kind of have been stuck listening to it on repeat for uh, going on two days now. Um, yesterday, I listened to uh, a lot of different covers of it on, uh, on the old YouTube. And uh, there are a couple good ones out there, but uh, the original is still my favorite. So um, that's my pick. Uh, maybe it'll help you uh, center yourself, if you will. Mm, center yourself. You got any of those apps that like give you calm time? Do they have that in Android uh, world? Do they come in a shot glass? Hey. <laughs> Ooh, man, that would be, you know, we need to start a whole, maybe that's what we do in our Snapchat thing is we'll call it, um, what, what's a good, in my, in my Gonzo style, we'd call it something like... Uh, uh, you know, the anti-suicide kit. And it'll just be little <laughs> tips from us about how to get through uh, life. Dear. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Better than better than our brains, brain splat on the, the asphalt. That's, yeah. What did we used to be, Matt Ray? Better than half the stuff out there? Is that right? Something like that. How about yourself, yeah. Brandon? What, what do you want to encourage people to check out this week? 
Well, really two things. Uh, the first is I've been using um, this pro I've been taking a lot of screenshots because I've been doing some various PowerPointing and you know that it's important to have screenshots of, of all kinds in, in your PowerPoint. It very, uh, makes it for a very dynamic presentation. It can be. It's also the uh, the poor man's way to give a demo. You're just like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna risk it. These slides, these slides will will compile no matter what. So I, of course, you can use uh, utilities like Grab and I think Snip on uh, Windows. But I like this tool from TechSmith called Snagit. It's like fifty dollars, and it makes it really easy to take all kinds of screenshots. You can just do your uh, selection. You can do uh, panoramas. You can uh, do a, even take little short videos. And, and most importantly, in, in today's for today's millennial generation, you, you can create gifts uh, using it as well. So, uh, <laughs> like I like to create. People are like, well, how does that work? Or it's if, like exact. Uh, it's working for me. Then you can just gif like what um, what the problem is, and then you put in Slack, and then it just automatically shows it. So there's like. You know, you're really reducing the friction to uh, complain. That's really what it is. That's uh-huh. the kind of gifts I create. See, there it is. See how it goes over and over again. That's the problem. Man, I, I, uh, feel, so I feel like I feel like over the years I've bought all of these things. So I need to see if I have that one because I'd love to be able to create some. Animated Funny enough, Kote, uh, I, I will say they do have upgrade prices because I <laughs> I bought this like five years ago and I was doing a lot of it and then I just haven't been taking as many screenshots. And I went out and I was like, I thought maybe I had a license, but I didn't have a current license, but they gave me a nice discount. So the, mm. you get half off if you've already bought it. I'm sure there's others out there. So good screenshot tool, very important to uh, uh, my work. And, you know, again, like people are like, I can use Grab. Yeah, but you'd be amazed how much faster it is. So that's, that's one recommendation. The other recommendation I'm going to make is, uh, you know, we're going corporate here. Uh, we're, we're getting some new logos. I'm, I'm, I'm heading up the logo team. I've got the marketing, the ad agencies in from New York. For, so we're going to get some new software-defined talk logos. I have the, the, they're coming in. They're giving me pitches. So when I get a good set of them that are happy, I'm going to post them in the uh, software-defined uh, tech. I'm oh, sorry. One, I, I should learn the name of the show, the software-defined <laughs> talk Slack general channel. Uh, so... You know, everyone can criticize them. This would be as we open the episode, right? Any type of change draws a tremendous amount of, of complaints. I'm sure there are people that love our current logo and will be very upset that we're changing it. And if you would like to complain, attack me personally, or just you know use this this uh, ability to rant anything you want about the logos, you'll get the chance if you join the Slack and uh, get into the general channel. So look for that later this week. Very exciting for us. I think the main thing is is if Congress asks you to come testify, Brandon, send the CEO. Look into that uh, about this. Well, yeah, my uh, with, with with the delightful background music, I have tried very hard to get my daughter to go to another room, but it's not working out. So I don't I don't know what she's singing. Anyways, I've got two recommendations. Speaking of singing, so uh, uh, there I think I probably recommended her before, but there's this Australian uh, singer, Courtney Bar- Barnett. I don't know how to say her last name. I'm assuming it's that. And like I think pretty much everything she does is wonderful. I've got this playlist of all of her songs over in Spotify. I'll make a list to it. But it's just good. You know, she has, uh, she has mo- famously songs about mundane things like having an asthma attack and moving to the suburbs and uh, other stuff like that. And it's just, it's, it's, uh, it's this kind of, at least for me, this kind of music, uh, I, I guess, you know, sort of like a lot of hip hop becomes like all the Run the Jewels albums that if you listen to it like 50 times, it can just be effective background noise for when you need to uh, work on your PowerPoint slides. Or you're driving somewhere and, and you're trying to figure out like, what, what am I doing with my life? So it's good, uh, it's good music. I remember the first time I listened to it was when I was... Um, 
man, was it? Maybe it was when I was at uh, at DockerCon EU in 2015 in Amsterdam, and I remember I was just wandering around, and it was a good accompaniment for that, trying to figure out what uh, what 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 was going on there, what they're talking about, buying some cheese over there on the wharf. Good stuff. Now, my other recommendation: Ritz crackers. You should look into those. Those are delicious. You can buy a giant box at Costco. Now, I don't know what they do. Ritz crackers are kind of like circular Captain Wafers, I think. But my, oh. my sense is that this is yet another food that has been transmogrified from a stick of butter into its current shape. And it basically is just the minimal amount of additional ingredients you need around butter to make it so that you don't realize you're just eating butter. Uh, and, man, they're delicious. And salt. So, so, yeah, so for our Australian listeners... We don't have Ritz, but we have something that looks like Ritz called Jats, and they're not the same. Yeah. Jats no? better. I think, I think when we were in New Zealand, we bought something called Stax, I think. Oh, S-T-A-X, yeah. and, and it's printed Jats on there. I have a different name in, in like Tasmania and New Zealand, and maybe that's the same thing. I don't know. Mm, yeah, but Ritz it's, crackers, I mean, they, I just ate like half of a tube of them. And, you know, as, as listeners yeah. know, I don't eat carbohydrates, so I don't know what Whoa. happened. Yeah, but uh, crazy time over there. Yeah, well, speaking of crazy time, got to figure out what what is for dinner. And you know, when you do the thing where you have a uh, a child's birthday party and you're just going to go balls out, and so uh, you got a lot of prep, but it's going to be it's going to be fun times. Just wait to see the pictures in Snapchat or not. <laughs> I don't know. Or well, not. Anyways, as always, this has been Software Defined Talk. If you want to find the show notes for this episode, it's uh, you go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 111. That's 111. Now you can find all the other episodes there. And if for some reason you're not subscribed to it, you can click on links to go subscribe to it and, and your uh, your podcast listener, which I don't know why you wouldn't be doing that already. And uh, also, as mentioned, be sure to join our Slack channel. You can find links to it there. And it'd be great if you want to join us in listening into our our Patreon stuff. And yeah, you know, just as a reemphasis of the free ad, I did wear that Datadog t-shirt. Did y'all ever get your Datadog t-shirts? I don't know if you ever sent me the address, but I had forgotten. You know, it's got it's two three good characteristics. One, it's uh, it's that soft blend that people have, so it's not like a beefy tea from Stranger Things era. Uh, two, it doesn't have like too outrageous of logoage on it. I've noticed that the DevOps days. Anyone who's organizing DevOps days listening, you want to have a very minimalist DevOps days thing. You don't want to put all the logos on the back or anything like that. Mm, it's wow. Very uncomfortable. So. It's got a very, very muted, uh, you know, sort of logo-ish, still effective. And then, and then three, it's got that kind of like long, not so long that it looks like you're a child wearing a shirt, but long enough so that you can tuck it in and like bend down to pick up a power cord and your shirt doesn't become untucked. So uh, it's a good shirt. But if you go to uh, datadog.com slash software defined talk, create a dashboard and get one of those shirts. So there you go. All right. But uh, as always, we'll see everyone next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.